0: Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 81 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast.
1: And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. The holiday season is here.
0: Yes, the countdown continues. Yeah, All those beer advent calendars are dwindling down and all the home brewers out there are crying over how much (laughs) money they've spent on Black Friday and Cyber Monday and anxiously awaiting their new equipment. But that is not me this year, thankfully.
1: Okay. (laughs) But you are enjoying a a beer advent calendar.
0: I am. I've had quite a few good ones. And there's been quite a few repeat breweries, which is nice to see. Shannon was like, oh, what are you saying? That you don't like these? I thought you meant that was a
1: bad thing at first.
0: So Shannon picked out all of the advent beers for me as a surprise. No help this year. So did you, what kind of strategy did you use? Did you go by looking at the can for can art? Did you just pick at random or did you go by the style?
1: Well, I guess I shouldn't say no outright. I went mostly by style to begin with as like my base because I know you like IPAs, but I also didn't want to do all IPAs because I've gotten that feedback in the past before can you believe it, folks? James once said that there was too many IPAs.
0: <laughs> I wanted to diversify. Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, so I tried to do a mix of IP. I mean, it's still mostly IPAs. It's a heavy IPA batch, but I tried to mix in a few. I got you a triple that I know you like. Got you. Yeah,
0: so it was it was a good mix of things that you knew I really. I got liked you someone that, that I knew you like. Kind of harder sure. for me to find on a yeah. regular basis, but also. You didn't want to run into, I think maybe like three years ago mm-hmm. where you were like, oh man, like you've had all these beers before. So you're like, yeah. oh, it's not much of a surprise if like you've had 99% of the beers.
1: So I tried to pick ones that I did not think you had had or were newer releases from breweries that you have tried in the past. So I tried to pick those first. And then when I kind of was getting, I was on like beer 13 and I was like, I still need 11 more beers. Like, oh gosh, this is going to be tough. So then I kind of went around the store and looked for ones that I knew you liked. So I got, like I said, the Belgian triple that you liked. I got a couple IPAs that I know you've had in the past. I got you some main beer company, lunch, and I think the, what's it called? The other one or something like that.
0: Yeah. So you, you tried to keep it pretty local, but you also mm-hmm. branched out to states neighboring us of you know, Maine, it's mostly New, New England. New England, yeah, yeah.
1: So I went to. I'm gonna give a little shout out to. I'm not triangulating our location because it's not really near our home anymore. But I went to Crafted in Holliston. So,
0: oh, I was like, where is she going with this? <laughs> like, if Hannah Slay needs no, to know so, where we are,
1: yeah, Crafted Holliston is a great little craft beer store. They also have wine, and I think he has like some spirits as well. But he's got a great selection over there of all New England. I mean, over, there's also like international and there's a bunch of beers. But there's a lot of New England selection, which I appreciated. So I usually head over there and sometimes he'll help me. But this year was all me.
0: Nice. Kudos. Kudos on that. Yeah. There's only one repeat so far. Got a couple yeah, of left. Yeah, I accidentally left,
1: grabbed two but... not, this is my problem. Like I was saying, I was at beer 13 and I was like, I need to find more beers. And that one, I think I did grab Based off of the can art because I kind of liked the it was like almost like that funky like what why are you giving I'm, me that giving, I'm
0: giving Shannon a look right now because the can art was pretty much non-existent and <laughs> in, in the duplicate where it just said the Kolsch ale
1: no but the like style is what I'm trying to say like the style of the lettering
0: okay the style okay
1: not the can art like in terms of artwork it was the font it Was It like we go. a very the nostalgic okay. like 80s 90s like like bright colors and stuff like that
0: but it was a good colch i really enjoyed it so i'm glad there was two because yeah (laughs) could can't find that around here at least there's that
1: yeah yeah so i'm glad you're enjoying it so far this year yeah it's getting harder and harder and you
0: kind of went between buying like an advent box to just you using and making one up like to save the extra money to yeah i'm not buying a box and again for me it like it, yeah, it's cool to open a cardboard flap, but for me I'm just like it's a cardboard box with a decoration well, on
1: it. Well, yeah, I liked I did get you that one year and I liked it. But the thing I don't like about those is that it's not reusable. So I use I went to Michael's one I think the very first year I did it, I just went to Michaels and bought like a bin type thing that says ho 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 on the outside because it's gotta be festive. And I just use ornament dividers to like, the ones that come in your ornament boxes that you buy. And I use those to keep the beers from clanking together. Mm. Although, it's mostly cans now. Like, there's... When I first well, started no, doing this, it was mostly
0: was, bottles. Yeah. Like,
1: it was all bottles when I, was I first started. I think
0: in. so far, you've had, like...
1: There's a couple bottles still. bottles but total. There's mostly like cans. 24 like, days. Yeah. And then, I just use the ties for, like... Um, you can buy, like, tags for gifts. They can just tie onto things, and I just use those. So, a little... Tip for those out next year who want to do it and don't want to spend a ton on the box or aren't unsure how to display it. There's some little ideas. I've been doing it for this, what, seven, I think maybe eight, seven years I think
0: now? eight years. Uh, we'll have to go back. It I was before we even <laughs> had the podcast, so it's been a while. <laughs> but I saw like a, a new trends up and emerging because the whole elf on a shelf is so popular with kids. I'm not hiding
1: your beer now day. It's like I'm sorry. But now it's like beer,
0: like people are just hiding a beer in no. different rooms no. and it's like... It's moving, but I'm like, okay, James's I wouldn't want, history, that I would not want that because one, the beer would be room temp, disgusting. Like, we're not at a Guinness factory. I don't want my room temp beer. And then two, it's like a hazard. Like, and then what if you like, <laughs> no, forget I'm, the main
1: point is James is not great at finding hidden things like Easter baskets.
0: All right. We're not going to go into that topic. I'm just
1: saying. So for me to hide you a beer every day, you'd never find it. I'd have to put it like on your pillow with a little bow on top or something.
0: <laughs> All right, go ahead. You tell this. You tell. No, the quick... I'm not
1: going to tell the story. I'm just saying it would. Long story great... short,
0: my family never hid Easter baskets, and you had to find them. So the first year after dating Shannon, where I was introduced to her, was family was invited with to my family's for Easter. Easter They hide their Easter baskets, but I don't know how involved they are with that kind of, all right, hide it. All right. Is it behind a couch? Is it under a table? (laughs) That's what I was envisioning. Not you have to unlock a chest drawer (laughs) and find it where I never opened that chest drawer before. And I'm in, you know, my girlfriend's parents' house. I'm not going to go searching through all their stuff to try and find the basket. Well, background,
1: James, when he, we didn't live like super close to each other. So sometimes he'd have to stay at our house if it got late. And so he'd stay on like the pullout couch downstairs. And that's where all the blankets that you use for the couch were kept. So my mom hid it there. Sorry, the Easter bunny hid it there.
0: Wow. Uh, we're going to have to edit that out for all the uh, under 21. You know, anyone listening to this podcast took, should have, James, be the age where that just ruined a holiday for them. I,
1: someone's screaming in their car right now. No. <laughs> so
0: we'll long story add, short, add, James add spoiler, spoiler. If you have young children in the car right now, cover their ears. Cause Shannon's about to spoil a holiday.
1: I already spoiled it. It's too late. All right. Too late. Anyways, that's why I won't hide beer for you because it took you way too long to find that basket. <laughs> But now knowing our family, doesn't it make sense? The competitive level of Easter basket hunting?
0: Well, now all the home brewers (laughs) and craft beer drinkers out there are laughing hysterically at my expense. So
1: Okay. Well, with that. (laughs) But one of the things I did not get for you in this advent calendar of beer, at least I don't think I really stuck, got any of these. If I did, I wasn't paying attention, but it's based on our topic today, which is lower ABV beers or non-alcoholic beers are technically non-alcoholic beers because there's been a trend there's been a transition of some breweries from you know kind of trying to brew that highest ABV possible to be you know kind of like oh look at we've got a 12 percent a 13 percent to now kind of going down and going to try to do lower ABV to make it more drinkable so session beers and things that are you know one to 4.5 percent ABV and I don't think I really got you any low ABVs but
0: I think the lowest one so far was a four and a half, which would be considered a session beer, and it was a session IPA. Yeah. And those are some of the most, I think, enjoyable beers. If I've had an Imperial IPA, I'll be looking for a session IPA, especially during the summer. Like I know in the winter, I tend to gravitate towards a heavier beer, like a maltier or um, something that's got a higher ABV just to have one and sip on it and kind of move on. Um, And again, for this, we're not going to focus on the methods for Mm non-alcoholic beers, which fall, at least in Massachusetts, they have to be 0.5% or even less. A lot of commercial breweries right now are doing the Mm 0.0% beers. So we're not going to specifically talk about that aspect of the low ABV beers, but we will be talking about, as Shan said, the session, the low ABV. And this really stemmed from me trying to brew a flavorful and tasty low ABV beer and so far haven't really hit a success with it. Uh, But some of the doing some research for this episode, uh, I think I might have some suggestions that I'm going to try on my next go to see if I can make it happen.
1: Yeah, so noticing the trends with these lower ABVs, we kind of just got interested in, you know, what does it really take as a home brewer to brew A beer that falls within this percentage range. So what do we got, James? How how are we supposed to do this?
0: So we'll be focusing on three different ways you can achieve a low ABV beer. The first being you have your, for a low gravity beer, you want to have a smaller grain bill than you would Mm -hmm. for, you say, one of your higher ABV beers. Again, you get all your converted starches and sugars that really make up that alcohol from the yeast in your beer from your green bill. so less green gives you less potential for greater fermentation
1: less food for that flocculation
0: yeah and it also helps to save money on that so we'll, we'll get to that second thing that you're going to want to try and do is have high temperature while you're mashing and then the third we're going to be talking about cold mashing which is also referred to as non-enzymatic mashing and this one I really found captivating, and we'll get to that.
1: Is it kind of like cold brew of beer? <laughs> you can tell me all about when we get there, but that's just that's the picture in my mind, so I'm, ex- I'm interested to see what you have to say once we get to that part. <laughs> but one of the things that I was thinking of before we kind of get into the techniques is what are the challenges that come along with trying to brew these lower ABVs? Because I know something that we've talked about in the past is that, and especially when I was expecting our daughter, I was looking for non-alcoholic beers. And one of the issues I ran into is that there's just not a lot of flavor that comes along with it, or there's kind of like a, a funky aftertaste. So one of the challenges is how to get a flavorful brew or risk having like a thin watery beer, which is what I found in most of the ones that I've tasted.
0: Yeah. And as Shan mentioned, we did do an episode on non-alcoholic beers. Yeah. So if you're looking for non-alcoholic options out there, there's a great episode, check that out. So that's one of my biggest issues I've had so far with very low ABV beers of just getting hit either at the end with super bitterness, mm-hmm. if it's supposed to be an IPA, and you kind of get that malt forward off the tip of your tongue. Mm-hmm. And then once you're literally, it's going down your throat, you, you're you just shocked with the amount of hop bitterness that comes out. Because you're trying it's to make up harsh. for
1: that like, lack of flavor from maybe the grain bill being lower or just some of the techniques.
0: And then I've also found the mouthfeel isn't there, the body is very thin as Shannon mentioned. And when you're used to drinking heavier beers, perception is huge when it comes to low ABV beers, and I think that's why one of the reasons that will deter somebody from drinking these, especially if they're used to a heavier mouthfeel with nice head retention, they're going to notice right away those subtle things in that mm-hmm. perception even if it's got good flavor they're going to start to go down the train of this i don't I, t- I don't want another sip of this so also IPAs i've found can fall flat on the malt flavor where they fade too quickly in the brew and this is something that i don't mind as much as i do what i just mentioned where it's overly bitter because at mm-hmm. least you can still drink it you're just it's just not enough just getting a little taste you're just getting a little taste so we've covered overly malty at times, some of the challenges. Okay, if you're brewing above 158 degrees Fahrenheit, you can get dextrins. And this is one of the challenge when you brew at higher temperatures for your, your mash is these dextrins can create kind of like that warty flavor mm-hmm. that we were just talking about that we, we try it, It's just like, oh, this is very malt, malt forward. And this isn't not enough flavor, I'm just getting hit with this like mo- almost molasses flavor, and there's not enough in the grain bill itself or the other flavors that are- you get from the grain bill to cover that maltiness. So that's why some people are like, oh, I'm just drinking a can of liquid malt. And some people really love it and their palates can really tolerate that. And others, it's kind of like a, you'd love it or you hate it kind of flavor. And I unfortunately fall on the, I hate it flavor. So that's one of the biggest challenges for me that I have to overcome Mm -hmm. in my brews home brewing.
1: Yeah. And so also thinking about, you know, you mentioned the grain bill. I think that's a tough balance to have that flavor that you're looking for, but also have enough sugars to do the fermentation, but not too many that you're getting a higher percentage. So it's kind of a fine balance that you have to think about when you're looking at your grain bill, which is one of the first techniques that we're going to talk about. So
0: Exactly. And controlling your fermentation, being mindful of your fermentables in your grains and just that the sugars have potential of becoming alcohol. So, so you're talking
1: about like if you're doing add-ins or like adjunct stuff?
0: Yeah. So with controlling fermentation, you're talking about, again, fermentable sugars and just all the potential that your grains can produce. So you want to be mindful of that if you're very set on a specific ABV and you want to keep it low, Mm -hmm. you have to be very mindful of your fermentation and tracking it to make sure you're taking those readings so you don't overshoot um, your ABV. But for me, I would just be happy with it. I would just want to make sure I design the recipe to max out at, say, four, four and a half. Mm -hmm. And again, there's techniques that you can adjust it, but we'll get to that.
1: Yeah. And so we're going to go over the three like James talked about, but there's also... Some great articles out there. So Brewlosophy had a great 2001 article by Craig Dillon and Bed Sanderson. They go over many ways to achieve a low ABV beer. And the Mad Fermentalist had a great 2.3% IPA recipe and an article from 2020. So a couple of resources out there for you other than what we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah. So the first one that we're going to talk about, low grain bill. So you want to aim for your lower original gravity and you want a higher final gravity. So, the logic here is that by starting with a lower OG, such as 1.028 or 1.03, you're gonna get roughly potential for a 3% beer. Or if you're like wanting to go lower than that, you could start with like a 1.005 to try and get that 0.1% or less to ferment. And thus, you're gonna produce a lower ABV beer but you're going to have a higher finished gravity where you'd add that body and mouthfeel.
1: Yeah, and the risk, again, like we've talked about, is having a thinner, watery beer that doesn't have a lot of body, so it's going to lack some of that texture, I like to say, that you'd be used to. And so that can come from the unfermentables.
0: And one of the ways that you can really boost up that mouthfeel that we were talking about and really give some nice flavor and some body to your beer is by adding that method of using that technique of a lower OG and a higher finish gravity with a low grain bill, you can add specialty malts or unfermentable sugars such as lactose to add that body and mouthfeel without risking increasing your ABV by adding additional grains to your grist. So I thought that... I was an anti-lactose person uh, (laughs) when I was working in the the commercial brewery space. And since then, I think my thoughts have changed a little bit. I think if it's a higher ABV beer or a moderate, so say above 5%, if something has lactose in it, I'm kind of just like, well, is that really needed based on where they're at? But I can really see the value in a low ABV beer Adding those to get that mouthfeel to achieve basically to perce- the perception that you're getting that same mm-hmm. full bodied beer. And it would achieve that. Again, it would get you would get that thickness in the mash.
1: And what grains, like other specific grains that you think would be better to use for to use like that lower grain bill and, and achieve the lower ABV?
0: Yeah, if you're someone like me that was anti lactose, you could add oats or wheat to gain that mouthfeel as well. So that I have done in my beers and I have seen significant increases in body just from using flaked oats or wheat to get that mouthfeel up and really give that some body. If you don't have access to lactose or you don't want to use that.
1: So this might be a stupid question. So like say I'm building my recipe, does it matter? Like when you say like low grain bill, does it matter what type of grains I'm using? Like say... Like I'm, I I want to brew an an IPA. Can I use a regular IPA recipe and then reduce the amount of grains? Like how do like? I guess my question is like, what exactly do you mean by a low grain bill?
0: So that's just sheer (laughs) to make it as easy and simple as possible. Every grain has a certain potential that you can extract or conversion of starch. To sugars that can then be used to as fermentables that can go and create alcohol. So keeping it simple, you would want just the a reduced number of grains. So maybe weight just by one. weight. By, by weight. weight. Oh, okay. Okay. Not variety. So you wouldn't necessarily want something that's 15 pounds of grain, gotcha. which would include your base malts and etc. To make five gallons of a two percent beer.
1: Gotcha. So I just want to make sure people know it's like not oh, you just want to have like one grain. Like you can have multiple grains, but you may just want to reduce the amount right. of we're each. Right, we're talking
0: amount okay. of, of the grains. Not variety. And again, all, all the brewing calculators out there and all the software that most home brewers are using anyways by just plugging in the percentages of mm-hmm. your recipe. So that's the important thing too, is you want to go by the percentages. If you say have a good IPA recipe and you have... The percentages of each malt that you use, you can kind of mimic that and just look at your ABV. If you're really focused on getting, say, a 2%, you just play with the numbers in your calculator to get it. So it's 2%. So that's how you
1: can still like substitute with Vienna malt or Munich or rye to kind of get those flavors, but not increase the alcohol content per se.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, again, like as Shannon mentioned, uh, Vienna malt's a great one to use, Munich and rye, because they do give that flavor. They pack a good amount of flavor and a good balance between flavor and the fermentables that you get from them. So, it's
1: more paying attention to the quantity of weight and
0: like that. Yeah, ex- exactly. Okay. That your total Just want to make weight. sure everyone
1: is understanding what we're talking about.
0: And what you could also do is you could pair in some crystal malt or darker specialty malt to give that mouthfeel as well. If you don't want to add the oats, you don't want to add the wheat, and you don't necessarily want to do lactose. So you have th- basically three different ways you can achieve that through substituting things okay. that add for that mouthfeel and body that we were just talking about.
1: Everyone got it? Good. And if you are one <laughs> of those
0: people that stresses over what your final ABV is, there you can always adjust after your boil or while you're mm-hmm. boiling. When you take a, gra- you could take a pre-boil gravity reading and a gravity reading right bef- at the end of your boil. And if you notice that you're way above, like you have your original gravities far exceeding what you're trying to achieve, you can always dilute that wort by adding additional water prior to fermentation. Or likewise, if you have too thin of a wort and you want to boost that up, say it's you've lost some through efficiency and you're just not gonna even get to that low ABV, you can add dry malt extract to your boil and that will increase your original gravity. So there's ways even you can play with it yeah you can play with it even after your recipe's set in stone and just there's calculators out there to tell you how much dry malt extract to add per gallon of water and same thing with where your original gravity is and how much water to dilute
1: okay so i don't have to panic it's
0: very simple <laughs> you can just type in google and there's it's a quick you, put you don't need those podcast. <laughs> just go on google just google it Trust me, I've done that many times where I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, didn't hit my original gravity. All right, I need DME. How much DME do I need to add? Okay, I need to add this much. Boom. Done. Got it. I don't like math.
1: Nor do I. Math is
0: dumb. (laughs) We need math, Shannon, because without math, we wouldn't have those calculators that are on. First,
1: I spoil Easter. Now I'm telling children that math is dumb and you don't need it. All those
0: math teachers out there, uh, start DMing us uh, at They've Double Hoppy Podcast and uh, tell Shannon what you think about math.
1: I mean, they probably hate it too, but that's just my opinion.
0: It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I mean,
1: if you teach it for a living, you might just get a little sick of those division and multiplication, you know, my... Your aunt Sally.
0: <laughs> oh jeez. But home brewers, as you know, you guys are all super creative, and a lot of home brewers now, instead of using those three alternatives that I had suggested, have been going crazy with teas and coffee and fruit and spices and other brewing ingredients to add layers of flavor outside of their normal recipes, to go ahead and make this beer unique. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that approach, but I'm very afraid to do it considering i haven't made a successful low abv beer other th- i've made a four percent but i guess that's you considered gotta a session but
1: perfect the base and then do some embellishment. yeah i'm
0: not about to go crazy and you throw gotta put the foundation you know, on our christmas wreath out. into into my brew to um try we'll, and enhance we'll that, that flavor chainsaw. yeah we'll leave uh chainsaw brewing's awesome pine pine saw beer all right our next one high temperature mashing so the mash temp i usually mash in anywhere from 152 to 154 depending on my recipe and style that i'm brewing the rationale behind mashing in higher temp is to target the alpha amylase enzymes this can really help produce less attenuated beer and that's a word shannon loves attenuated
1: attenuation
0: attenuation and flocculation baby but
1: that anything
0: relating to the yeast, it's all Shane. Yep. So produce a less attenuated beer, and therefore it will give it a fuller body. Okay. And the temperature range I'm talking about is anywhere from 157 to 168, 170, and that will basically just in increase that amylase activity, the alpha that you want for less fermentable wort.
1: I feel a little bad for the yeast in this situation. Well They can't it, have as big of a party.
0: Well, the yeast won't get stressed out as much. So when you produce higher <laughs> ABV beers, Shan, you're really stressing I'm out. i am always that yeast. stressed
1: out, so I feel like that's a baseline <laughs> that everyone should be on.
0: Shan wants the yeast to be as stressed out as she is. So she wants like a nice temperature.
1: I mean sometimes, you know, you perform at your highest when you're the most stressed. That is true. So
0: Or you crash and burn. That's true. Too. One <laughs> of the two. So I would really suggest probably the 157 degree Fahrenheit range. And what you're going to do is the goal here is to produce more sweet, unfermentable sugars, which will give you that extra sweetness as well. Mm -hmm. And again, as I mentioned, the typical mash temp I use is 152. And that's really trying to capitalize on your beta amylase, which will produce your fermentable sugars. So beta gives you your fermentable sugars and alpha gives you your non-fermentable sugars. Okay, there you have it, folks. So again, adjusting your grain bill yeah. and adjusting your temperature are two easy things that every home brewer should be able to do with the brewing software you have and recipes you might already have to try and attempt a lower ABV session beer. Now again, the third option.
1: The cold brew of beer.
0: The cold brew of beer, <laughs> as Shannon says. Cold mashing or non-enzymatic mashing also known as the Breeze method. This is where you're gonna mash your greens in cold water from an hour to 24 hours. Yeah, so the cold brew of beer. So Shannon was on fire with this. Thank you. We need some, um, you know.
1: Thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you. I'd like to accept this award on behalf of myself. I'm gonna slap To you me, in the face. from me, love me. <laughs>
0: Well, on behalf of Shan's award, uh, do you tend to do a speech?
1: Uh, I just want to say that when you are cold mashing, like you said, you keep it in there for 1 to 24 hours, and then the grains are removed, and they're mashed for 10 minutes at 152 degrees. So at your regular mash temp. That's my speech. I give fun facts instead of speeches.
0: And she's cut off. (laughs) But yeah, Shan's 100% right. The idea here is that your cold water just like a cold brew as shannon mentioned you're going to extract an increased amount of your proteins that will help with your head retention and mouth feel so one of the issues with low abv beers this is a method used to boost the mouth feel and head retention so that's awesome unfortunately this method usually typically results in a beer that's less than two percent
1: well unfortunately for you i don't know unfortunately for the person trying to make but, it less than two percent but i haven't
0: actually tried this method yet so i think i'll try the method and see where i get with it and report back but i would probably aim for like a two and a half to three but if the method only produces a one one and a half range thereabouts from other people that have experienced Mm -hmm. uh cold mashing it might just be the capabilities of this particular method so i'm interested to see how that will come out so I'll get back on that. But you're also going to have a higher malt to liquor ratio that contributes to improved malt flavor, color, and your foam um, by using your cold mashing technique.
1: So, well, two questions. Although I just answered one of them in my head as as I was about to ask you it. For the cold brewing, do you have to, like, is it okay if it gets to room temp? Because if you're leaving it in there for 24 hours, like, you don't have to keep adding ice or something to keep it like the same temperature you can just let it steep
0: yeah I think well especially here it's pretty cold in New England so I would say you'd be fine but if you're brewing outside in 90 degree weather you wouldn't want to have your kettle sitting out yeah but with if you're your in a basement water, or something yeah, you could just leave a it basement temp is probably more than okay. adequate or just house temp is usually anywhere from 60 to 70 degrees mm-hmm. unless you're in a
1: I mean, 60 is a little chilly, but okay.
0: Hey, we used (laughs) to live in 60 degrees.
1: Yeah, and I had 10 socks on every day.
0: Well, just averages. Don't know where people live.
1: Okay, that's true.
0: Don't know if they want to turn on the heat, Shannon.
1: That is true, James. That is very true. Or the
0: AC, depending on if they're somewhere where it's hot all the time. That's
1: true. That's more likely scenario than, yeah. Okay.
0: So some other tips, if you're trying to, a low abv beer take more gravity readings more often during your boil to see if you're close to that original gravity and it's really only for those who are very particular on achieving the end result of the abv Mm -hmm. for me i'll do it just out of curiosity and that's just what i do but If it's, you know, a four and a half instead of a four, I'm not going to gripe about it. You know, if it's a one and a half instead of a five, then I might be concerned with what efficiency. So, again, (laughs) it's however involved you want to be with it. But it's just an extra tip to try and hit your numbers. Mm -hmm. And, again, as I mentioned earlier, you can always adjust using your dry liquid extract if you need to increase or dilute with water to decrease your Original gravity.
1: Yeah. And then also, so recipe wise, looking at when you're actually building out that recipe or if you're modifying an existing one, you know, you can add small additions of honey malt that will help with the malt flavor and add a bit of sweetness to balance out any hops. And then also fo- looking at hops, focusing on hop additions that, you know, impact your sensory with late additions, whirlpool additions, dry hopping. So kind of playing with the hops to increase that flavor in the beer itself.
0: And that's one of the keys i take away from the tip is really
1: james the hops is what you're taking away absolutely is that a surprise to anybody
0: especially for an ipa <laughs> because the ones that i have found most enjoyable and actually long trail has recently come out with a mixed pack that i think the highest beer in there is a four percent mm-hmm. but the one i really like is an ipa that's 3.2 percent and I would not know necessarily that it was 3.2% just blindly drinking it. It's so drinkable yet it's got so much mouthfeel and flavor, but it's definitely because the hops must be late addition giving that sensory overload of the aroma when you go and drink it that mm-hmm. just it just smells like that double IPA, citrusy, fruity, and it just t- it just really does help give the perception that it's a heavy ABV beer without it being a 5 6 7% beer. So that's definitely a trick, I'd say. There's always tricks in IPAs of using hops to cover things up, but I really do think choosing hops wisely in the late editions and what flavors you can get from those hops or perception of flavor definitely goes a long way in these low ABV beers. But you also have to be mindful, again with hops, of hop creep where it could trigger further fermentation. So just be mindful of that. But I have never had an issue with hop creep. But if you're going to add you know, 10 ounces of late-edition hops for a 5- or 2-gallon batch, you want to be mm-hmm. very mindful of that.
1: Yep. Yeah. And we also mentioned earlier using some unpermentable sugars. So 20 to 40% of grist for a lower ABV brew. So that kind of helps with the body. And then if you're scaling down a higher ABV beer, like we said, you can scale back on the specialty grains. You can swap out for more base grains to get a starting gravity that you're looking for. So kind of just playing with that malt or the grain bill, like we've talked about.
0: Yeah. And getting the most out of that grist uh, for specialty malts, focus on flavors. You want that specific beer to have. So then you choose a specialty malt, look at the descriptions for each and see which one would give you those characteristics that you're looking for. And then you can sub out the ones that won't give you that, what you're looking for to achieve in the end beer. Yep.
1: Yeah. We, we touched on hops already, but again, just paying attention to the style you're brewing and looking up the bitterness units to gravity unit ratio to ensure there's a balance. So you don't want to like James is talking about, make it overly bitter to kind of compensate for the lack of flavor when you're doing the wort. So just kind of pay attention to that and being conscious of what hops you're picking and, and when you're adding them.
0: Yeah. And yeast, yeast, We're not going to get too much into yeast, but just look for a yeast that has a lower attenuation and a lower alcohol tolerance. This will really help to ensure that you're not going to go crazy with your yeast and just blow it out of the water and end up with a higher ABV beer. It's just setting yourself up for success from the start. And again, there's always going to be different factors in your brew day that might boost or lower your ABV, but just setting yourself up for success. And that's something that after doing the research f- for this episode, I think my, some of the errors I made can be uh, taken away mm-hmm. from just some of the suggestions that we found across people who make really strong Great drinkable low ABV beers on a regular basis on the home brewing and commercial level.
1: So, one of the other things that we kind of discovered, James, you know, he mentioned tips for trying to make a better lower ABV beer, but also kind of stumbled across a different style of beer that we hadn't really heard about or a different technique, I guess we should say. And that is party guile mash, which just sounds like a fun. You know, I mean, it starts with party. so...
0: Do the party guile. Do the party guile. I know, like Do like a dance guile. move party or guile. like... We should party guile.
1: Okay, now you're making me dizzy. James was like whipping his head like...
0: <laughs> I whipped my hair back and forth. Party guile mash. Yeah, Woo-hoo.
1: it was a little... A little much. I was,
0: well, I was so excited with this, not discovery. It's been s- such an old tradition, but... We've
1: just never really... We've never heard of it before.
0: It. We've never seen it before, but there's stuff out there and... What is party guile? Well, you'll have to listen to part two. Well, not part two. Our next episode. Our next episode. Yeah, our next episode. Our bonus episode because you know what? It's the holidays and we're just so excited for party guile.
1: Okay. So in our next episode, we're going to talk all about party guile. So if you can't wait to find out what that is, tune in. Before we close out today, James, you've mentioned it's the holiday season. Would you like to share a dad holiday joke with us?
0: No, I don't think so. No. I'll decline. That's rude. Are the fans asking for a dad joke? Crickets. (laughs) As everyone cringes. Okay, I think I have one. What is it? How much did Santa pay for his sleigh? Eight bucks. Ah. Oh. <laughs> it was free because it was on the house.
1: Oh. <sniffs> That's a good dad joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Or what's the difference between our alphabet and an elf's alphabet? Hey. No well, no well. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> it took me a half a second too long to understand that joke. <laughs>
0: Yeah, none of them have to do with beer, but it is the holiday season, so.
1: Yeah, got to throw in some dad jokes where you can. Okay, well, as we were talking all about non-alcoholic or session beers that are below 4%, have you ever tried to make one? How'd it come out? We'd love to hear from you. What method did you use? Please send us a message.
0: 20 questions by Shannon. Yeah. (laughs) What did you, where'd you come from? (laughs) you're like elf like you had too much like syrup in your spaghetti. I love syrup yes
1: so if you want to share your experience with us and all of your tips and tricks that we may not have covered please send us a direct message on our Instagram at Podcast, and also follow us while you're over there
0: and please remember to rate, review and subscribe where you find us because that's how we find you that's yeah. creepy Oh, that's that's
1: my James is like Santa coming in your house to find you via your podcast application. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. This it's has been Double, Double Hoppy. Hoppy. Catch, Catch you on, you on the, the Bruce side. side.
0: Ho 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 ho. <laughs>